We're ministering on a series this morning that I'm calling Running Your Race to Win It. And I want to reach out to uh, West Liberia, Africa this morning and say thank you for tuning in to us. We're really grateful for your, your watching and participating with us. And I want to thank Sunday Guard Joe for helping us help him. Y'all are a blessing and we look forward to seeing you someday. Amen. Uh-huh. So turn in your Bible with me to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're talking about running your race to win it. You know, I was like, well, of course, everybody wants to win it. Ah, oh, there's lots of people running a race. And you can tell they don't care if they win it because they're running the wrong way or running with weights on their legs or running backwards or whatever. They don't care. And I'll just say this, as you know, that... We all know, I know you know, that life is like a battle. It's not just be an American or be, be a, a, pers- a man or a woman and it's just laid out for you. It's a battle. Life is a battle for almost everybody. Uh, there's a fight. There's a contest in life. Every day we get up and say, I've got to make new priorities. I've got to go one way or the other. I've got to be with them or not be with them. Every day is a day of priorities. And a a mature Christian, the mark of a mature believer, is that he knows how to make priorities. Because there's more to do, more more to do than we can do. There's more people to see. There's more things on our list than we can do. And so we can't do them all. We run out of strength both in our bodies, emotionally, uh, we run out and we can't do it all. Then we run out of the clock. So it, it's a battle and the battle's not fighting the devil. Jesus already made a, made a show of him openly, triumphing over him in it. So that's not our battle. Our battle is the good fight of faith, the fight that he says we already won. But priorities. Have you ever got up and did the wrong thing and then that afternoon you went, wow, I was not supposed to be doing that. I was supposed to be doing this. So each of us in our battle or our race, we have a, a, a default uh, attitude that says, I want to win. Nobody's getting up every day and saying, it doesn't matter to me whether this goes good or not. It doesn't matter to me whether there's pain. It doesn't matter to me if there's not enough money. It doesn't matter to me if people don't like me. We all want the high side of every day. And that's our, that's our default expectation, is I got up this morning and I want to win. Whatever the race is, whatever the battle is, I want to win. And so we actually pray. We ask God, would you help me win or have a good day? That's, that's what we're asking God is, is uh, let me have a good day, not necessarily next year or the year after. We just say, for this day, I want to win. And that, that would be right and good. And it's true that God wants us to win our race. I don't want to say God gets up every day, but if he did get up every day when we got up, He would say, I have a list, I worked all night, I thought about it all night, and I have an agenda, I have a plan, I have a course that you can run today and you will win. I guarantee you, at the end of the day, you'll say, that was a good day. It's favor, it's uh, supply, it's people, the right people that don't waste our time, that actually are delivering things to us we need, or picking up things that we want to give them. Every day has got lots of elements in it, And the Bible calls it a race. 
Whereas you run the race, you have lots of obstacles with her to finish it. And I believe, maybe you can agree with me, that God will surprise you with His goodness when you start His race. When you say, Lord, I'm going to do it your way today. Which is one of the hardest, most difficult, challenging things we do, is to say, I take my agenda off, my, and, I, and I put on your agenda. Like this morning, you chose to come to church. That was a priority to you. But you can tell there's a lot of people that are doing something else. And so they don't have, probably, they don't have God's best working for them. Therefore, their day is fraught with the devil, the flesh, condemnation and guilt, uh, pain based on experience. They're, they're, they're battling things that we don't have to battle because they chose how to run their race that day or that life. And we all get to a place in life where we sit down and assess our life, especially what they call midlife, and we say, what have I done with my life? I know one day and then the next day, but what, what's happened? I'm not where I wanted to be. I'm not doing what I wanted to do. I'm not having what I wanted to have. I had an expectation at this time in my life, or this year in my life at the end of the year, and it's not what I expected. And we all can take that place and say, there's a remedy for that. It's a daily race I can win. So it takes a lot of humbling. It takes a lot of checking in instead of assumption. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, Paul talks about this. He said, I have fought a good fight. So that's where we got that analogy for the fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now there is the formula for having a great life, a good life. You're staying on your course. So somebody else got a job at a factory or whatever, and you say, well, I'll, that's what, and they make good money. I'll go do that. The thing is, is they're gifted, or that's what, they've got transportation or whatever. It wouldn't necessarily be your place to go there, would it? Not at all. And we even understand that, but many times we succumb to that. I'll tell you, the Lord, He cares about what city you live in. And the reason He does is because He's got people for you that, are gonna, that He's assigned to help us that's in that city. And there's a church in that city. And there's a job in that city that fits and works for you. There's schools for your children. There's, I don't know, all the things it can be. But the Lord knows. He knows what's best. And we look like, well, this is the city where they're making all the money. Well, that doesn't mean you're going to make the money. It just means somebody there is making the money. And all you have to do is have one job that pays right and for you. It could be the worst job market in the world, but if there's one for you and me, it's where we ought to live. So he cares who you marry. He cares. He's like, God doesn't care. Just get one and go. Well, that's obviously how it works. But I'd pray about it. You know, there's, there's about as many girls as there are boys out there. So there's, you can pick. You can choose. But the Lord will guide us, and we'll have the right one. Who you marry, it makes a difference. Because it's kind of one of those hard-to-get-out-of things. <laughs> it's tough. And if you do it, it's still like, like well, I fixed that. You now there's all sorts of... Uh, baggage. The, T, the Amplified says, I have finished the race. Instead of the uh, 
Instead of finished my course, he said, I have finished my race. The uh, TEV. Today's English version. Let's, let's try that. It says, I have run the full distance. The message says, I've run hard right to the finished, finish and believed all the way. Let's say that last part. Believed all the way. So there's an implication that you can be in the right race and do a lot of days right, but you could have a blow up halfway around the track and it got you off course. The course was going north and here you off in the woods going east. And you started out right. The Bible, basic English says, I have come to the end of my journey. Journey. I've come to the end of my journey. Now, remember what it says in Psalm 91, verse 16. He says, uh, he says of that long discourse, he says, With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. With long life, with long life I will satisfy him. So how do we get in position for God to satisfy us. Well, we take hold of the grace of God. There's a grace on your life that I don't have. And perhaps I have a grace that you don't have. Why? Because I have a different race. It's, it's the race of all people. You know, and fathers have a race and mothers have a race. And, you know, there's different things that are automatic. But there's a lot of stuff. It's just believer race. So there's a grace here to believing all the way isn't that what he said he said uh i have run hard to the right to the finish i believed all the way so there's a grace to run all the way you ever got discouraged you ever got depressed well i just tell you now this will hurt a little bit it's sin for you and i with the promises to get discouraged and get depressed we have no right we have no place well they treated me bad well, that's your story, but we all got a story. And Jesus has whooped every story. He's, he's already been the answer to everything. So, we, there's a grace on me to do certain things. Now, there's just a natural grace on all of us to do what all of us should do. But particular things, specific things, there has to be a grace for. Otherwise, we're just on our own. What, what do we need to be believers for if everybody's the same to do everything? Well, there's a grace. And if you ever get out of your grace, listen to me, you won't finish your race or you won't like how you finish your race. In other words, you'll finish it maybe, but you went out in the woods and <laughs> there was a bear out there and, there, you know, and people out there and uh, the economy's out there. So it's like, I could have missed all that. It's called favor. It's called grace. It's called the anointing. There's something that's inherently specific and unique to each one of us that causes us, that's built in, wired program before you are a thought to your mother that says i've already fixed him to run his race her race and it'll it'll turn out well if if they will get into my grace acknowledge it look for it and and run it with that here it is they will finish their race lots and lots i would say probably most people they're in a race that's unfinished when they leave the earth or when they get weak or get, you know, unable to finish the race anymore, be the same. So uh, here's the question I'm going to ask. I've been asking myself, how do I cooperate? How do I agree with the grace of God for my life? 
I want to win my race. I don't like to do stuff a, a second time. I've done a lot of do-overs. Where you just, you just, there's a T in the road and you're going 50 miles an hour and suddenly you see the T and it goes left or right, but you're out in the pasture because you went you didn't see it fast enough. Instead of, I've, I've had lots of do-overs where you had to back up out of the field, the pasture, and get back on course if you even knew that was. And it, it was a lot of collateral damage and delay and cost money and it hurt feelings and uh, there's things that I did in my life that that were just my heart was right but I didn't do it right y'all ever been there where you 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 dealt with people with the right heart but it came out wrong and they misunderstood and now they're mad at you and they don't forgive you and they're they're mean to you but all the whole time you never meant to hurt them you just misjudged you just miscalculated and and it went that way because we weren't operating in our grace. We just had heard somebody else do it this way or thought it would be a good way. We, we, we got up that day and didn't ask God, how's today supposed to go? And so we ran into a situation. Suddenly it, took, it surprised us and we just reacted to it without forethought, without prayer, without the basis of the word. And it didn't go well, even though we had no malice, no meanness about it. it and they won't forgive us, and they won't let it go, and they won't say it's okay. Even though they might say it's okay, you can tell they don't think it's okay. And that's the hard things of life. That's what I think that's the hard thing. If you lose money, that's unfortunate, but we, we make money every day. And uh, if you don't feel good, well, you'll feel good tomorrow, but it's with people that we misjudge and get turned crossways. Or you may say, well, I didn't get crossways with anybody. But did you go, or where are you at where you're supposed to be? It's like any slug can just go two feet a year and not mess up anything. But if you're in front of people and you're, you're uh, activated and you're always on it, you're, if you're in this pulpit two, two hours a week, you might say something occasionally that goes like, what is that? I, you know, because but if somebody says, well, I don't do that. Well, you never stand up. You never are in front of people. So there's risk is what I'm saying. So you can't say, well, I've had I had never messed up. But have you have you been running your race or have you just been running the safe race? So there's that to look at. Uh, Acts chapter six. Would you go to Acts chapter six? Hallelujah. Now, I like the Lord to talk to us. As you can tell, we're not talking about don't sin and don't mess up and don't, don't steal and don't be mean. You know, I know when I do that. And for sure, if you don't, somebody will tell you. <laughs> You're just one phone call away from being well, very well informed. <laughs> I didn't like that and I won't, you know, and all that. So that's not what we need to hear. We don't need to hear that kind of correction. We need to hear how to win our race. Because that's what the Lord gave you a grace for. We, we already have the new birth that keeps us above sin if we'll just figure out how to run our race. How, what should I do with my life today? Lord, can I move to Tampa? You want me to move to Portland? Uh, you want me to, to work in the, as a machinist or a typist? Or what do you want me to do? And who do you want me to marry? You know, like, he looks good. She looks fine. But what do you say, Lord? There might be a bomb hidden in this person. That'll blow up, you know, next year or two. 
that I didn't know about. And it's like, ah, the Lord knows. And you go, well, but it just seems so right. I don't want to trust him. Well, get ready. Get ready to have a little blow up. And we say, well, the Lord will just have to fix it. He does fix it, but it's before we do it. We've got to know how the Lord operates. It's a lot easier to pray things out in front than it is to pray out of stuff from behind. Ah, wow, that's powerful. Acts chapter 6, verse 1, and in those days, so we're talking about Acts, the first five chapters of Acts, things are rocking, things are moving, lots is going on, all these believers are in Jerusalem uh, for Pentecost, and, and the Spirit's poured out, and people are getting born again, and, and in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, so you can see something's happening there, there arose a murmuring, the word is strife, of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Two cultures. Because, excuse me, their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So that tells you they were feeding folks. They were helping folks. The reason back in chapter 4 that they, they sold lands and laid them at the apostles' feet is because they had a big ministry going on. People had come to Jerusalem for the, the festival, the, the holiday of Pentecost, and they ended up staying. So they didn't have food, didn't have, you know, they didn't bring everything they needed, and they weren't working. So all that was being poured out for them, and so they were helping folks. Amen? Then the twelve, we know who they are, called the multitude of the disciples unto them. What did they say? They said... It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. So let's just stop there and go back to what we've discovered. I've discovered it's changed my life. Now, I want to tell you all, this, is, this has changed my life, and I've known it most of my life, but it changed it because the light came on and I saw it. And that is this when he told me, only do what only you can do. He corrected me yesterday and said, only do what only you must do. So, you know, I could mow the grass, somebody else could mow the grass, but maybe I'm not supposed to mow the grass. Maybe there's somebody, there, you know, just a hundred ways. Only do what only you must do, and you will do all that you are called to do. Now, that speaks to a race, doesn't it? It speaks to a limited time. It speaks to a, a set course that takes strength to get to the end, that takes perseverance, that takes help, a grace to win it, he said, it, not, not everybody finishes their race. And so they're halfway through the race. And so if you go into grandma's house and you just have a half a tank of gas and it takes three quarters, it doesn't matter what you call grandma and say, I meant to be there, I wanted to be there, but I didn't prepare to finish my race. I'm halfway. Happy birthday, grandma. And that's, that's how that is. We've all been there, and I've certainly been there. Hallelujah. So only do what only you must do. That's very direct. That's very personal. That's very powerful because it's a life changer. You know, don't steal. It wouldn't be a life changer for you and me because we, we don't steal. We could, we could fine-tune that and say don't steal time and don't fear, you know. But only do what only you must do is a confrontational statement about my life and about your life. What are you doing 
with your life. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm following God. But if we're off the pattern or off the road, even a little bit, we won't finish our race. In other words, we won't know we were wrong until the end. I didn't finish. Now, Paul said, I finished. But he was full tilt, wasn't he? After he fell off his horse in Damascus, he was full tilt. He was full tilt before, but going the wrong direction. He was persecuting Christians. So, if you're called, anybody in here called? To your race, to your race. We're all called to a race, and then corporately we band together and we're called to a corporate race. We take your race and your race and your course and your uh, journey, and we put, a, put us all together. The Lord does that too. Puts us with people we don't know. Pete's, uh, you know, And here we are together as a family. And he says, I want you all to do something specific and unique. I've got a race for the church. I want you all to do it. In some churches, you can find them. They're, they're the soup kitchen people. Some people are the worship people. That's all they want to do. They don't care if you have a preacher. We just need two or three song directors and some, some uh, people with uh, uh, tambourines. And we'll be just so happy, so happy. But that wouldn't make me happy. You go, why not? Because that's not our course. That's not our race as a church. So now we're in the church and we all have a, a, a mandate. So if you're called, that means you're appointed. God has appointed us. And we could look at scriptures about that, that we are appointed. And for whatever he's called you to or appointed you to, wouldn't it be not fair if he didn't anoint you or empower you or grace you to do what he called you to do? He's not unfair, so he has. We have to just say, if he's called me, he's graced me. There is a power, an ability, a path. There is a favor for me that I can access, and I won't have to go through the muck and guck. I can just go over it. I, I, my life is easy. My life is simple. Not because I have a simple life, but because I'm in the grace and favor and anointing of the Holy Ghost for me. But now, if I get off of that and say, whew, I am something hot on the stick. I am good at this. I think I can do everything. And we go off and veer off trying to do somebody else's job. There's no grace for that. There's no anointing for that. And so then life becomes hard. And most of the time, Christians don't even know why. And that's why we're bringing this word. Is if you'll stay on course, if you'll stay in your lane, finish your course, there is an absolute grace that Paul said, you will finish it. And nothing is better in a race than finishing why, why take off? Why prepare? Why put on your new shoes and, and, uh, and have your fancy top or your super shorts or whatever they do when they race? If you're not going to finish, we don't care. So let's go on here in chapter 6. Verse 2, The twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason, it's not right, that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look at among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now remember, the business was ministering to the widows. And he's like, well, anybody can pass the plate, anybody can go to the nursery, Nah, it's not that way. He said, here, we got to have special men 
to wait tables for the widows. Now, I want you to just see right there how special you and I are, even when it looks like we're having a, uh, an un, unpowerful ministry, how the Lord looks at it. He said, I'm going to have to anoint you to go to the nursery. And I promise you, he'd have to anoint me twice. <laughs> what you do is powerful. What you're called to do is over the top. It's not just like, well, I just wait tables. That's nothing. That's wrong. If you're called, if you're called, that's what you should do. He said, uh, whom we may appoint over this business. And here it is in verse 4. But we will give ourselves. We're going to change course here. We're going to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Doesn't that sound like do what only you must do? They came to a fork in the road and said, we got to choose. Are we going to keep doing because the anointing is lifting. The grace is lifting on us ministering to tables. But the anointing is big on us to be in prayer in the word. And he said the saying pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen. Look, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmius, Parmenas. And Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Whom they set before the apostles. Remember, we're talking about a soup kitchen here. We're talking about a clothing uh, rack or a storehouse or a pantry or whatever. It says, they set them before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased. Look what happened when everybody got in their place. It wasn't that they said, well, we're too important to be table waiters. You had to be pretty called and pretty anointed to wait tables in that place. They said, but, but we're not, that, there's a separation here, and I got to run. They said, we got to run our race and finish our course so that you can. And the Bible says there that the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied. Well, who could orchestrate that? Who, who knew what that was all about? So I said last week, I said, you and I have to come to an assessment when we get up every day or once in your life. You've got to make everything in your life accountable. You have to judge every person, every activity, every thing, every asset in your life and say, you have to judge it and say, uh, can you take me to the end? Can you, are you helping me or are you just something that used to help me, but now the Lord, you know, when they launched the spaceships into space, you'll notice that at so many thousand feet up, they throw off those gas tanks. And they don't say, oh, it helped us get into space. They're so special. Let's keep them. No, they jettison those because they can't finish with those tanks on there. So we got to, we can't say, but, and it's true. People help us, things help us, and we get a fondness for that and appreciation. We're grateful. But that doesn't mean it can go with us the rest of the way. Jesus has to be who we give thanks for. So you've got to jettison things. You've got to get them, get them off of you. So if there's anything in your life, you've got to find out. Are you supposed to be in my future, or were you just supposed to get me to here? Because I've been in people's future and, and uh, life, and I wasn't supposed to go all the way. But doggone, if I hadn't been there in that part, it would have been a rough road. But now they're good. Now they're good to go on with somebody else. Now they're good. It, they're not in my life to that degree. They have a different orbit. And you go, well, why would we do this? Because you want to finish your course, run your race, finish your journey. 
If you take everybody with you that you ever had with you, if you take everything with you that you ever had with you, you won't finish. And I want to finish. It's a little painful sometimes. You got to start. You don't ignore people, but you just, you just, it's just not like it was. And they call you and say, well, what's wrong? You hadn't called me. You're not like you used to be. You got to navigate that. You just got to say, darling, I, I'm doing something else now or whatever. However you do it. It's, it's not easy, but you, you got to say, I must finish my race. I must finish my course. So if they're not profitable to you at every juncture of your life, you have to let them go. Now, here's the good news. When you let them go, the Lord just starts bonding them to somebody else that can take them a place that you couldn't take them. Because you're called to something else. You can't take them where they need to go because you're, you're going this way and they need to go that way. So he just jumps somebody in there when you let go and they go together and nothing is lacking. Nothing is missing. It's just different. But people are afraid of the unknown of what's going to happen if I'm not there for them because I've always been there for them. And it's just not true. It's just not kingdom. He's well able to navigate and administrate the kingdom that he's got. So I wrote down, and I said this to you the other day, that people don't know what to say no to because they don't know what to say yes to. If I say yes to finishing my course, it's specific and unique and tailored just for me. It's personal. My course is personal. And I don't even know all of my course, but I know enough to stay on this course. And if he wants to navigate it later, I'm in. I, I have not... I have not so beholden to anything that I say, but I've been here so long, I, gotta, I can't let go. Sure you can, because you want to finish your race. Even in a track, you know, it makes three or four turns go around the track. Nobody's on the race that, well, maybe they are, but goes all the way for miles and miles. Maybe they are. I guess they are in sprints. Hallelujah. So uh, people don't know what to say no to. They can't say no to things, so we just get bigger Bigger houses and bigger uh, playthings and bigger responsibilities. We're doing the PTA. We're doing the junior club. We're doing everything. When that's what used to be in our life when we weren't very spiritual. We were immature, maybe. And we had those things. They were placeholders for us. But now we've grown and now we've, we've become aware. I'm called. I'm appointed. Now I know I'm anointed. This stuff, what Hebrews calls weights, has got to go. And it's a revelation. You get it little by little, and you say, it's got to go. Because if it doesn't, I can't go where I'm supposed to go. So there's some lordship here, wouldn't you think? Where you say, Jesus, I'm trusting you to get me where I need to go. I'm trusting you that if I let go of what's fun and friendly and, and has been comforting for me and what I'm used to, that you're going to make it up. Because these people, there's nobody mad at me. When I left my church in Texas, nobody was mad at me. And I wasn't mad at anybody. But he said, make a turn or stay here forever. And the implication was, it wouldn't be well without the grace to stay. And so we loaded up our little U-Haul and <laughs> headed east. Well, that's what you got to do. That was just the first thing that he had me do. And he could trust me with that, so now he could trust me to talk to me about just about anything. I, I told y'all, I've, I've not peeled off people, 
but they've run their race with me. We're, we came together and we're running together. Now we, it's time to separate. And so I've been assessing relationships for the last three years to say, are you supposed to go with me? Am I supposed to go with you? Sure are. Matter of fact, we're going to deepen this thing and we're going to get in together and we're going to plow this because we're both mutually refreshing. But some people, it's like, they don't care about me. They don't care about what I can give them. They don't, they don't receive or, or whatever it's changed. And you just got to go on. You don't call them up and say, I hate your guts and I'm never calling you again. You just, you just fade and they fade. And it's natural. We all know about relationships that, that fade. Would you turn to Luke chapter 10 with me? Our calling, your calling, makes you unique and particular. Luke chapter 10. Did you hear me? Your calling, your race is particular. We're not all going around the same track. We're not going to all end up at the same place, except in victory together. When we all get to heaven, we'll say, well, look what the Lord did with all of us, and we didn't even know what was happening, but he put this together like a thousand-piece puzzle and put it all together, and we, never, we, we put it together backwards with the, with the cardboard side up, and we didn't even know how it was working. We didn't even know the green tree went with the green tree. We just, it just got put together. We'll know then, so we have to walk by faith now, to just say, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm following the anointing. I'm following the unction versus the natural thing. That is, we have observed, everybody's observed that watching natural life never seems to turn out well ultimately. It's not something you'd say, I'd give up God for that life. I don't think we would. So uh, if, my, if my calling, your calling is unique in particular, it's personal, then I should never devalue that uniqueness by being ordinary. So you're going to be peculiar. You're going to be different. You're going to, you're going to uh, ring your bell different. You're going, to, you're going to be different. You can't be like everybody ordinary and say, but I have a particular and unique and personal call on my life. It's going to be different for me. We'll run side by side for a while or forever, but, but it may be that... That I can't have this car or this many cars or this boat or uh, it may be it may be it may be that he says I want you to get a boat. It's just different for everybody, but we devalue that calling when we say, "But I want to be ordinary. I want to be liked by everybody, and I don't want to change anything." So we have to take the limits off. Point yourself with me and say, "Hey, you! you. No more limits. That's it, right there. No more limits." You've got to just say, I'm willing to take everything off that he says it's time. I'm willing to put on everything he said it's time because that's my happiest life and that's the way to run my race to finish. It's spiritual. Doggone, it's spiritual. Who would have thought your calling is spiritual? It's spiritual. It's not just people down here saying whatever, whatever. It's spiritual. So we've got to act like spiritual and we've got to turn. It says in Luke chapter 10, Verse 38, it says, Now it came to pass, as they went, he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. They were different, weren't they? But Martha was cumbered 
Uh, the word there means occupied, busy. She was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Did her, bid her therefore that she come help me. Well, that seems obvious. The Lord's going to start barking at Mary and say, hey, giddy up. But Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Now, that's not talking about a grace there, is it? That's not talking about someone that's walking in their grace and walking in their race. Someone's got out of their lane. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, that excellent part, which shall not be taken away from her. So it's like the apostles said, we got to go do the word in prayer. Jesus said, Martha, you ought to calm down and get over here with your sister. You're on the wrong course, and it's not working out for you. Uh, in Luke chapter 12, slip over. Go east of page or six. In verse 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. It rains on the just and the unjust, doesn't it? And he brought thought to himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to you, my, to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. If you ever wondered where that was, that's where it came from. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then, who shall, then whose shall these things be which thou hast provided? Now here it is, verse 21. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The New Living says, uh, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, listen, but not have a rich relationship with God. It's talking about two paths. It's talking about doing it your way. I'm going to build me some barns, and I'm going to do this. That was his race. He wanted to be a show out. He wanted to live easy and all that. That was his race. And he was on course to finish his race. But the Lord said, uh, you're on the wrong course. This isn't the race I've called you to. He said, I'll fill up my barns for me. And obviously the Lord didn't have that in mind. So nobody wins the race when they set their own finish line. We complain about government that they move the goalposts or other things. You know, they, we're all going toward that goalpost, and, and then they changed it, said it's over here and it's over there. Well, that's what happens in the kingdom when people take the course that God got you on, and you, they start out maybe. They start out going, yeah, and God's anointing them and prospering them like this man. But then they go off into the woods thinking, I can even do better. He gave me this business. Well, I bet I could go in partners with Billy Bob, and we, Billy Bob doesn't know God, but we could have us a business and even do better. Do you see that? That we, we start out right many times, but we get off because we fail to check in. The blessings of the Lord sometimes will distract people from the blessing of the Lord because we get off. So the rich man thought he'd won his race. You could see him. He was like... Woohoo! I won the race. I get the grand prize. 
But the Lord said, you've never even begun your race. And don't you know that's going to be a sad thing if people go to heaven and say, I did good. Lord, I did good. And the Lord said, nothing you did was good. Wow. So guess what? Now here's something profound. My race and your race has been determined and settled before the foundation of the world. It's not like the Lord looked at you and said, well, they're about two years old. I wonder what they could do. No. He gave you your gender, your personality. He set that stuff. Because he had a first, you need to be a certain gender to do some, if not every course. You need to be a lot of things. Big IQ, not required in everything. You don't have to have 160 to do most of everything, God, if anything. Handsome and beautiful and everything. So it doesn't matter. He set that before you. And uh, the Father set our race before time began, and therefore he imparted his grace at that same time. So when you, you were a surprise to the doctor, or maybe not a surprise, but there you were coming into the world, you already had everything in you you needed to run your race. And he picked your parents. It's like, really? Yeah, picked your parents. He had everything lined up. Now our parents mess it up for us sometimes. They're they, they like, we're not going to serve God. Well, that was in there. So I wrote down that contrary living is living in a disagreement to what you know inside. I know some things. Now, I need preaching. I need teaching. I need uh, revelation. But there's some things I just know. And uh, you do too. You just know some things. There's some things you know. You might ignore them. You might not agree with them. But you know some things about your life. You know what you like. You know what you have fun at. You know what you enjoy. You know about the things of the kingdom that you may not have a... It might be a little blurry, like taking your glasses off. But you know where you're supposed to be. You know the next step, I should say. There's no like, oh God, I didn't know. The Bible says in Romans 1 that even the lost, the sinner, can know there is a God because of the things around him. So you and me are certainly not exempt uh, being born again. In James chapter 1, let's see, we got time for that. Sure we do. Well, who says? <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, I know we go long. But the reason we go long or whatever is not so I can go long. The audience of other people or whatever that's watching, we're not ministering. We're ministering strength in life. And anybody can just watch 20 minutes and say, that's enough of that, and come back in later or not. We are a Holy Ghost people. And we will never defer to anybody coming in to make us different. We are family and we minister to family. And everybody says, I like that. I want to be a part of that family. So that doesn't, I'm not saying I go long before because of that. But we need it. I, I, we could do less, but we need it. Well, look what it says in James chapter 1, verse 6. It says, Woo, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering. That means we could. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man that wavereth think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. 
A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we got to focus. we got to say, Lord, I'm going to do what you want me to do. And we can't turn this ship around in one afternoon, but where would be the first step to do what you, to, to move in towards being in your will, getting on your course so I can finish? Now, I will promise you this, that if you ever do that, if you ever say, Lord, I've been, I've been in the woods. I, this happened in my own life. He will catch you up. It's not like, well, I missed a year or six, and so I'm, I'll never finish my course. He will catch you up. He told me that when I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I was distraught. I said, I'm so far behind. I'm 28 years old. I'm, I'm midlife. <laughs> and I tell you, I did think that. And he said, I will catch you up. And he did. Yay. So a fulfilled life, if we know what a, a, a distracted life is, a contrary living life, a fulfilled life is one that's in pursuit of truth. We don't care. We don't care what it costs. We don't care where it makes us go. We don't care because truth always wins and truth will take us to where we're the most satisfied, even if there's a cost or a, a price to pay to get there, to get to the truth. We have to change our, our attitude and our hungers and our appetites. We have to change it so we say, I am hungry for the word. I'm not bored. I'm not put out. And then all of a sudden you start getting an appetite for that. And then that takes you to truth. And that's the best life you'll ever have. If you don't go with truth, you'll have a kind of a rocky life all your life. So I'm pursuing truth. I don't care whatever natural looks like. I'm pursuing truth. And so uh, faith, when you get in faith about it, it changes priority. Say that with me. Changes priority. When you get up every day, unconsciously, we all decide, well, I got to go do this or got to be there. But it might change your priority if you are in faith. You might get up and say, I got to do this first, or I got to get earlier, up earlier to do this first, to pray or to read the Word or whatever, you, whatever your priority is. Now, Dr. Cho used to say that he prays four hours. Well, how do you do that, Dr. Cho? And he said, because I got a lot to do that day. I, I think that's noble. I don't do that, but I, I should. You should. We should. Uh, now, here's a little thought, and we'll quit with this, pretty much. Well, no, we won't finish with that. But when truth comes to the church, when revelation, even sort of like this, this is very, this is very uh, aggressive. This thing I'm putting out here, you can follow it out, and it'll change your life like very little will, or it could. But when, when truth comes to a church, it takes years for the carnal church to be able to assimilate it. I, do y'all remember that when we were charismatic or whatever, and we, we loved to sing scripture songs, and we, everybody had to have an overhead, and you overheaded it up there, and we all stood up and sang along. And, and, uh, but if you went to a denominational church, it's like, blasphemy, we must... We must sing from the hymns. Well, there's nothing wrong with singing from the hymns. It's just that it was not truth anymore. He wanted us to do it a different way. But that, it, one day I went to my friend, uh, First Baptist Church in Seminole, and he said, well, we do that. We got us an overhead. And I said, here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to say one day, look what we started. Look what we initiated. <laughs> you won't even pay any attention that we were doing it way before that. You know, Ephesians 4.11 says... The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher is given to 
Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So we're going back to those apostles and those, uh, uh, the, the word and prayer and those that are ministering. Here they say, not better, not worse, not up and not down, not anything distinguishing them. But if you are have a grace on you to be a pastor or an evangelist, you, your job, your calling, your grace, and your only grace is to what? Equip the saints for what? The work of the ministry. So what are the saints supposed to be doing? Well, we're just spectating. We're just coming to church because it's our Sunday obligation. No, we're supposed to be saying, I must go to church and be trained to do the work of the ministry. And you go, I never saw it that way. Well, that's the way it is. So since I saw this a few years ago, I've changed. I've just like, and that's where this message, that's where this uh, principle comes from. To do what only you must do so that you will do all you are called to do. Do your job. Stay in your lane. Michael, stay in your lane. I, but I love to get out of my lane. I've been out of my lane all the time. I love to go do this and that. Even though I have to neglect and put aside what I'm called to do, what I'm anointed to do, I love to go put my hands on something and build it or fix it or whatever. I love to. And I have always done that. But I'm behind. I'm behind. I, I told you all the other day, and I need to clarify that, that I built the Coker Church. And by that, I mean I was out there every day. I, I was either doing it, I was doing something while I was directing them doing it, but I was out there so I could direct them to do it all day long. And I told you it was sin for me. There was another way to do it. I don't know what it was, but there was another way to do it because I should have been drawing aside for the word and prayer. And I basically lost that year. Just being honest. You can think of me what you want, but that's, that's what it was. I love this, in, and we will finish with this. In Matthew 25, you know where he gave three talents, or three of his servants, ten, a five, two, and one talents. But over there at the end of that, he said, uh, take therefore the talent from him, the, the guy with one, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. Now this grinds on people. It is contrary to what we think. For unto everyone that hath shall be given. Now, how are you going to have, how are you going to be a hat staying in your lane, running your course? That's, that's who hath. When I was out in the woods, I was a not hath. And even that which I thought I had, it began to diminish. For unto him that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. So I'm on course these last few years for abundance. Not because I got smarter financially, not because I started giving, not for anything. I'm, I'm running my race. And I just don't care what the pressure is or the... Const I don't care. I am going to please Him by finishing my course. I'm going to be there when, he, when the flag comes down and says, Oh, Michael, he finished. Who would have thought? We're amazed. And he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. I'm going to tell you, almost all church people, that's where they live. That's why they don't prosper. That's why they're not healed. That's why they don't, they don't see the windows of heaven open. That's why the, the windows are open and they like, what? I don't see anything. That's why. Because they've had that discernment, that revelation taken away. Because they're out of their course. They're out of the grace. They're out of the anointing. 
and it's not working, even though they're doing everything mechanically. Everything. I'm giving and I'm praying and I'm whatever, but they're out of course. So there's no grace on their life. Now, there's a grace for all Christians. I'm not saying no grace. I'm just saying the grace to win, to finish your race. We're not in it. It's not like it follows us around everywhere. It, it's honest when we're doing, when we're running our race. No condemnation is just like, let's get excited about saying, south, three degrees down bubble, whatever submarines say. You know, they, they're adjusting course. They're saying, ah, we're, we're going to run into a rock, so we better change course. That's, that's it. I'm changing course. Not much, three degrees. And three degrees is nothing. From here to the back of the church, three degrees isn't two inches. But if you're going from here to the moon, it's 10,000 miles. And so I'm, running, I'm going to the moon. And you should go too. And we're all in the right place to do that. There's no big adjustment needed here. There's nothing like, I'm straighten up, turn or burn. That's not what's going on. We are on course right now. But we need to be aware. There's something coming to distract me, to break my focus. And I'm aware of it, and you can't touch me. Amen. Isn't that good? It's provoking. It's provoking. It's, it's like, what? That's, that's very provoking, very provocative to think there's so much life in a narrow lane. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way in. I stay in my lane. Michael, stay in your lane. But I want to get out of my lane. Stay in your lane. You can't, you can't have everything I've got in your lane and be off on that. So I am. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for showing us how to win our race. We're in a race, and we thank you. It's so easy. It's so simple and easy that we could miss it. But we're not. We're going to think on these things and take heed to what was spoken. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for showing us how to take the first and the second step. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for leading us and guiding us to adjust Thank you for the courage, Lord, to be, to be fierce, to be stalwart, to be resilient, to peel off things that are emotionally precious, but they got to go. We've enjoyed them. They've helped us. They've been good, but now the good thing that we have is not good, so we will peel it off so you can give us better, 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 more and better. Thank you for River Church, Lord. Thank you for helping us. We will run our race. No matter how little it looks like we're even in a race, we will run our race and we will finish our course to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 River Church is a house of healing. We will heal the sick in 2021. We will heal the sick in 2021. Just telling you, we are a house of healing. We are, we are prosperity administrators. We don't need that much money. Now, if y'all think we're going to build a ten gazillion dollar cathedral because somebody brought ten gazillion dollars, you'd be wrong. That's not who we are. But when ten gazillion dollars does come, we already know where to send it. Sending part of it to Africa. This might not be our only church. I'm not looking, but I wasn't looking when this one came by. That's where our that's where our anointing is, is to advance the kingdom, not advance River Church to advance the kingdom. We just happen to be in River Church, and that's how we're going to go.
So God bless you. Thank you for tuning in this morning. You're a blessing. Praise God.